What is up, Nation? AJ Riley here with Paul Rochon for another episode of Beyond the Box, talking football. And specifically this week, Paul, we are talking about our Detroit Lions. Before we get into that, I want to remind you to like and subscribe to all of our social media platforms so you can get the latest content from DetroitSportsNation.com. Paul, tonight, it seems as though the Lions are a trending team. Not even trending, a trendy team. And Vegas and the media seem to be at odds about this. Vegas has them at six and a half wins. And literally, about any media outlet has them as sleepers, potential fringe playoff teams. Um, Who else knows what they can add to the Lions aura after this draft? But my question to you and where we want to spend most of our time tonight is, are you buying it? You know, it's wild because I'm not used to the Lions being media darlings. This is a, it's a weird place to be. And I, I think it comes from a few places. Uh, the media in general has been well well receptive of what the Lions are doing since they canned Quinn and Patricia, right? Like mm-hmm. they like most of the media was less skeptical than I was about the Brad Holmes hire. And most of the media liked what we did in the first two drafts, regardless of what we personally felt about it. And those are your building blocks of a rebuilding team. They get a complete pass for last year. They were expected to be bad. They bottomed out the rebuild, new head coaching staff. The media wasn't worried about that. And then so you have kind of a perfect storm of there's nowhere to go but up. The media loved, universally loved, our draft class. And I know me and you didn't necessarily feel the same way. All we do, we do think that there it's could be a lot of players me. out of it, but they love the draft me. class. <laughs> and they like Dan Campbell's a likable guy, right? Like he's not like Matt Patricia. I think we've talked about this before that At he length. gets a longer leash because whether he has the acumen or not, he's a, another thing that's well received. And so mm-hmm. I think people just look at a team that bottomed out. They think that there's going to be an influx of talent because of the draft. And it's crazy. So the ringer, Bill, Bill Simmons' outfit, right? He has the Bill Simmons podcast. He was on there with uh, Warren Sharp, and they were talking about sleeper teams, maybe teams that could win in division if you were surprised. Warren Sharp comes out and says, you know, if Green Bay kind of falls apart or things go awry, maybe the Lions could win that division. I'm like, I don't know, man. This, this is a little wild. You, Bleacher Report, Lions could be the NFL's most surprising team, right? Uh, NFL.com, Cynthia Freeland, Detroit Lions, top sleeper team in the NFL. Mina Kimes, who I am a massive fan of, one of my favorite sports analysts, one of, I think, the best personalities out there that cover sports, has absolutely has half a brain, which is few and far in between. She says, God help me, I'm drinking the Honolulu Blue Kool-Aid. Now I'm going to give her a little (laughs) bit of a pass because it is delicious Kool-Aid. And it's very easy to overindulge on. And she obviously works a lot with Dan Orlovsky. And he is always glass half full when it comes to the Lions. Always. In every single way. Always. But did you, because even he said after the draft, he was like, watch out for Detroit. I mean, immediately. Like the the day after the draft. He's always going to be in the Lions' favor. 
which is fine. The I only mean, time I've continue. ever heard Dan Orlovsky give a little shade to the Lions is when he's talking about Stafford and the Lions letting him down career-wise. That's the only time I've sure. ever heard him really get on the Lions. But no, but so, he's also not and, wrong and, about that. And what's crazy I'm is... I'm a picture here. Oh, and this sorry, is this sorry. is limited, right? <laughs> no, you're fine. This is this is just a small sample, but this sure. really has been universally. This off season has been this acclaim for the Lions. It, it's been in in not necessarily no nobody thinks the Lions are Super Bowl contenders, but everyone is talking about this team as a team that should flirt with 500, if not be a fringe playoff team, and that's like wow. And then you look at Vegas, and there are six and a half wins. And generally, Vegas, especially win totals, you kind of err toward the middle, right? So a six and a half win team, like that's getting pushed a little towards the middle. If they put it at four wins, that puts them in a lot of danger, right? That exposes them a lot. And a lot of people are going to hammer the over. And it's hard to win less than four games in a season, just as an example. So if you're going to – the really bad teams, their win totals get pushed toward the middle. Same with the really good teams. Like you're not going to see many win totals like 13 games, right? That's not something you really see because they skew toward the middle. So realistically, Vegas thinks the Lions are a five or six win team this year. And yet the media thinks that – they're like a seven, eight, nine, ten win team this year, right? Like I would say, like eight and nine is like the median would be my guess. Maybe nine and eight. People think the Lions are going to make this huge jump. AJ, did enough change for us to make this large of a jump? Or are you looking in? You like listen, Vegas knows, all right? Vegas absolutely knows. Forget the media. Well, see, I don't. To go back to your original point. I don't know how to feel about this because I'm thinking that one, either hell has frozen over, the world has flipped upside down, or I'm in some kind of twilight zone where reality as I knew it no longer exists because I cannot for the life of me remember a time in my years of existence, and I will not say how many it is, the Lions being spoken of favorably. And it's not like they're being spoken of in a way that this is the team to put your money on to win the Super Bowl because that would be a losing proposition. But when you're talking about words like surprising, sleeper, national media pundits drinking the Honolulu blue Kool-Aid, using our own terms, that's a big deal. And it's crazy to like, it almost feels like uncomfortable in a way. Because if those expectations aren't met, then it's, uh, same old Lions, right? Then it's, uh, it is what it is. It's just Detroit. We didn't really expect them to do well. You asked if I think enough has changed. And I can't answer that yet. The reason why I can't answer that yet is because everything about 2022 is speculation. And I understand that that's kind of a cop-out answer. But I will say the one thing that I'm grateful hasn't changed and I think will make a difference is Dan Campbell. I will root for him. 
I will continue to root for him. I expect him to get better as a head coach and a game manager and, and things of that nature. And I expect this team to be at minimum six and a half wins. And I've told you that. I said that on our last show. I had him at like eight wins, right? Maybe plus or minus one. Um, just because I like what they've done. Again, going back to our draft talk, not necessarily thrilled with every move that they've made, but it seems like the right pieces are being put in place. Now, will they continue to put those right pieces in place, or will they continue to hold on to older pieces, a la number 16? That will make the difference of whether the conversation continues to be favorable towards the Detroit Lions in the years to come or not. Do you think enough has changed? Well, we just did our win totals last week, and I had the Lions at 6-11. and 11. So obviously, I am siding much closer to Vegas than I am the media. Uh, this is not a win total that I would bet. If fans were going to bet it, they're clearly going to pound the over. We, we have seen the pulse of the fans. We have seen the pulse of the people. They absolutely think this team is going to be over that six-win threshold. I, I have not talked to many people outside of our little group that actually thinks the Lions are going to win like less than six games or even six games. Most people think they're going to be over that mark, which I think is being optimistic, which there's nothing wrong with it, especially as fans, to be optimistic. This is a team you root for. If you go into every season thinking you're going to win four or five games, like that's a miserable experience, even if you're right. And listen, I know being a Lions fan has at times been a very miserable experience, but I don't blame the people that have a little bit of optimism. Hope springs eternal for a reason. But you said it's kind of a cop-out because you said, you know, I, I don't know yet. It's hard to see. There's so many changes, so many moving parts. This team is young. And I don't think that's a cop-out at all because we're not in the business, especially on this show, Beyond the Box, of just making hot takes of judging things on very limited sample sizes or giant projections, because this team theoretically should have a pretty wide range of outcomes just based on the unknowns. I, it reminds me of last year's college football season with the in-state programs, both Michigan and Michigan State, that there was so much new for both teams, you really didn't know how they were going to be. Like you couldn't, you, you had kind of an expectation, but there was so many moving parts, especially coming off the COVID season that you're like, I don't know what's going to happen. That's how I feel about this season to an extent. But at the same time, I look at, we still have Dan Campbell, who is, should grow a little bit. He's a rookie head coach last year, but Dan Campbell and now our quarterbacks coach, or I'm sorry, tight ends coach, who's been elevated. They're going to call the plays together. Well, I wasn't impressed with the play calling last year. And we didn't bring in a new play caller. So I don't think that's changing in a positive way. That's still a concern. We know how we feel about Jared Goff. And that's one, one place where I think we're in lockstep with most fans. There is a section of fans out there, the extra optimistic ones. They look at the end of the season. They look at, oh, Jared Goff went to a Super Bowl. There's a small but somewhat vocal section of fans they actually think Jared Goff can be an above-average quarterback in the NFL, which I think is a starter, and I think that's just berserk. That's crazy. But it's fine. It's all right. Jared Goff has not changed. We still have the same guy under center. He's not very good. He's not going to elevate this team. What can change? The offensive line can stay healthy and actually be a strength of this team. 
we did add Jameson Williams. And while I didn't like the pick, and we also added DJ Chark in free agency, while I didn't like the pick, and while I don't think receiver is the most impactful position in the NFL, we had a pretty bad receiving unit last year. This is not great. And he's going to catch passes. As soon as he gets healthy, which could be at the earlier end of the season, we really don't know more of the unknown that you talked about. But when mm-hmm. he gets healthier, he is going to be good. I told you, I think by the end of the season, he should ascend to the number one receiver in this pass catching group. TJ Hawkinson is a piece that, of course, I like very much. So you combine that with the O-line. DeAndre Swift continue to improve, right? He's a solid running back. You would think that we had first-time play caller last year in Dan Campbell. It wasn't the plan. He took over play calling duties halfway through the season, say. He should grow into that role. They should be able to install more of the offense that he wants to see. Having more playmakers on offense should help them get more of a diverse offense. Having that healthier offensive line should let them dial up more downfield passes, more play action. You hope. But we're this is a lot of hope. And things have to improve. But then you look at the defensive side. Bottom of the league in sacks. Pretty much bottom of the league in pressure rate if we weren't bottom of the league. Worst by a wide margin in third down defense getting off the field. The defense was horrible. I mean, look at games, look at games like the Ravens, where we kept the Ravens in check all game, but we really didn't. Hollywood Brown kept the Ravens in check by beating the brakes <laughs> off our secondary and, and then dropping no wide open passes. Yeah. And then dropping wide open passes. Yeah. Yeah. Which I I like the kid. He had the, one of the worst games I've ever seen from a receiver. In the worst way, because he did everything but catch the ball. He could have had like a 250-yard, three-touchdown day if he just held onto the ball. But that stall drives. Our defense kind of held on. And near the end of the game, we were in position to win the game. But was it fourth and 20? Was it fourth and 20? It was. It was fourth and 20. We got at least a sack, maybe consecutive sacks. We had them in fourth and 20, and our defense didn't get off the field. They just didn't get off the field. And not, they gave up a bomb, the only thing that could get the Ravens even close enough to even think about kicking a field goal, and then they hit the biggest, longest walk-off field goal ever in NFL history because they got Justin Tucker. How much did our defense improve this offseason? Well, that might be the... Uh, I don't That depends on rookies, the, right? Well, right, it does, and that's where I was going, right? that They seem to have clearly addressed that... You know, yes, they took Jameson Williams 12 uh, when they could have taken other defensive players, but it is what it is at, at this point. Um, they still made some good moves defensively through the draft. Um, and so maybe maybe that pass rate or that rush rate goes up a little bit higher. Maybe that, you know, that third down efficiency as far as defense is concerned improves because like let's be honest it can't get worse right it it cannot get worse it was pretty bad so i don't know but the hope i mean that's what we all live on right is hope and we we want to live on hope and we need to live on hope because we have been hopeless for so many years and the reality of all of these different outlets being like keep your eye on detroit Keep your eye on Detroit. They could be surprising. They could be, you know, sleeper. That's never been words that are associated with our team. And it's got to give you some kind of optimism going into the season. 
are they going to run the table and are they going to make noise in the playoffs? I, listen, I will be the most shocked person if somehow they find their way into the playoffs. And heaven forbid they win a playoff game this year because you talk about not expecting something and just being hit in the face with it. I won't even know what to do with myself. But when we talk and we sign Dan things Campbell being, to a lifetime contract, if we win a literally game this season, literally a lifetime contract. But when we talk about those things and we hear what the media, it's hard not to buy into that because of the hope that you have, you know what I'm like? It's easy to hear somebody from a ringer or, you know, a bleacher report or an ESPN or other outlet go, keep your eye on Detroit. They're going to be surprising. And the, the, you know, Honolulu blue crowd going, yes, finally we got this. Right. And it's just like, it tickles the ears. It makes that hope rise even further. And you just want it to be true once that's it. That's all Lions fans are looking for, right? Just let it be true once. Throw out the stats. Forget what the numbers say. Data doesn't matter. What matters is they're speaking our language. And the hope that we have is being talked about. And it's something to look forward to. And look, there's plenty, plenty of issues with the team. But the one thing that you cannot say is that it's not going to be interesting to see what happens holding on to that hope. I mean, it'll be very interesting, but again, it's the unknowns, right? I mean, the defense is the thing. As frustrating as the offense was, as frustrating as Jared Goff is, as frustrating as the play calling is, the defense is the place where you could kind of hope to see the most improvement. But at the same time, we didn't do, and this isn't, listen, we're in a rebuild. I don't want to go out and do this. I don't want to be involved in a spending spree. I don't want to do what the Bengals did last season and go buy an entire defense, right? Because or we're not the Jaguars there this we're off season when they just threw cash at everything. And that's, and the Jaguars are a great example of what not to do. Because although, although in their defense, they at least feel like they have a quarterback in place where the Lions don't because they drafted but, a generational talent. But, but we go back to team building, right? We go back to team building all the time on this. And they're doing you it never, all wrong. You never start with your quarterback. You never start with your quarterback to build a team. Well, you in build their defense, the, in their defense, you, you had, that's when they had the number one pick and okay. that dude was available. Like you're, okay. you're not, you're not, not getting Trevor Lawrence. Okay. That sure. Fine. I get that. But at the same time. That also does not allow you to build your team properly, because now you have now it, it pushed makes it fast. More, it makes it more you, difficult. It it makes it more difficult because you've pushed fast forward on the rebuild. You now have to go and throw a ton of money at different things in order to make sure that you get Trevor Lawrence at his cheapest. Now, and again, that's there's, I, what's funny. There's is unknowns me, with me him Dylan, too, right? Like, yeah, oh, so, oh, of course so, there is. I mean. He had a rough rookie season, but I I don't. Not he also had no offensive line, on. and no, and he also had to deal and the with Urban, Urban Meyer, Meyer catastrophe. Yeah, like, uh, it's funny that it's funny that you bring that up because Dylan and I, on the big picture, we talked about this just last week. 
it's kind of what the Chargers are doing. And I, I think it's a questionable right. decision when you have Denver, when you have Kansas City, when you have the Raiders still, right? They they could they could finish fourth in that division and no one would they be could. shocked. The Chargers are trying to win now with Herbert on his rookie deal before they have to pay him, but it's a dangerous gamble. The Jags, I think, are just trying to be not like picking number one or in the even the top ten for a few years. Like they're just they're all over the place, man, and they don't have a good direction. They just don't. So it's very it's but that's that's exactly I brought up the Jags because that's what I don't want the Lions to do. Well, they have to be patient with this. Yeah, and that's where so that's I why think... I'm not I'm not mad that we yeah. didn't spend the money right. on right. defense. That's what when I say we didn't do a lot to address the defense in free agency, I don't want them to. It's not an issue. We're still rebuilding. But mm-hmm. at the same time, when we're projecting this season and we're talking about being a sleeper team this season, where are those improvements going to come from? So you look at okay, let's look at the pass rush. We brought in Aiden Hutchinson, who is going to be an instant impact rookie. He's going to start as a rookie, whether it's day one or a little bit in the season. I would assume it's going to be day one, but we'll see. It'll be day I don't one. know how they're going to bring him along, barring injury, of course. What kind of, of impact is he going to have? Is We talked about pressures are the most important thing. The sack number I'm not as worried about. He's got to get to the quarterback. He's got to generate pressure, especially on passing downs and third downs, right? Get into those second and third and long situations, generate pressure. Do your job as the number one overall pick. But it's going to take him time to acclimate to the NFL, you would assume. But hopefully, I know you're projecting a lot with the rookie, but hopefully you get some there. Romeo Alquara, who had a couple decent seasons for the Lions. Last year, he missed most of the season. He only played mm-hmm. a few games last year. Is he going to come and be, I think we're paying him about 10 million bucks a year, which I don't think is bad for what you hope that he's bringing to the table. Is he going to continue to be an edge rushing factor that we didn't have last year, despite him being on the team? So that, that'll help. If you could get between them, if you could get like a decent pass rate in 15 sacks between the two of them, between the two of them, give me 15 sacks. That would be a huge boon toward this team taking a step forward on defense. For sure, for sure. In the secondary. Can you get anything out of Jeff Okuda? People have written him off, but can you get anything out of him? He missed. He was struggled as a rookie, but all rookie corners do, right? Last year, he missed. He had an injury. Was, was it his Achilles? It, it was. was his Achilles, wasn't it? The worst, the worst, especially for the position he plays. That's why I think he's, right. I, he's going to end up at safety, I think. I, I just, it's going to be so hard for him to stick at corner. And then what do, do you, you get out that's of the, plan the Pascals of the world, the Kirby's of the world? Do, right. I don't. I have no idea with this coaching staff. I, I would think so. They're gonna. I think they are still going to try him because it's too early to write him off at corner. And unlike me, when I when I see Achilles, I say that athlete's explosion is done, and we are talking about reshaping their career. That's me. I can just about guarantee our staff does not view it that way. And even Achilles, no Achilles, they're going to give him run at corner. If mm-hmm. he continues to struggle or they have a bigger need at safety, I, I expect that transition to happen eventually. But who knows? Maybe he shocks the world and he's a competent corner, which we, they need, did we sign, need secondary play. Bad. They did sign the kid from the Ravens, though, to play safety, right? Um, his name's escaping me. Was it the Ravens? They signed a safety this offseason. Do you know? We signed what I would head? consider a backup level safety. A or for this team, for this team, he's going to be, he's going to be a starter. 
But he's right, not but someone like he's not someone they also is a playoff drafted, team that I want starting. But maybe it's that you bring him in, you draft the kid from Illinois, and you give them run at each other to see who's going to beat each other out, and then you've got you know. And, and you know, there. I'm a big fan of Kirby, but at, right. listen, he was pick 97, right? He's not a guy that's expected to come in and contribute right away. And I don't, the Lions did not sign Deshaun Elliott. They traded for him, I believe. Okay. With the Ravens. But, I don't, and we still didn't give up. In. We did. And we didn't give up. We didn't give up a lot. I don't remember what it was. It was like day three picks. So, and, and that's then a you guy. Look at the again, other corner. Right? Is it Owuzie? Is that how you say his name? Oruwarie. Oruwarie. Okay, <laughs> I'll get it right next time. Oruwarie. That's a mouthful, man. But like, he played a good corner. He was. He was very. He, he was, and I like that was one of the picks I liked very much last year. Um, I yeah. like the upside there. I think we got him in the fifth round, and he was somebody that was considered kind of possibly a day two prospect out of Penn State. He he was. He's a good player. It could be a mm-hmm. good player, right? But like the pieces he could be there for a good secondary. Kind of. So here's the thing. Here's the trap I don't want to fall into. We have a lot of players that showed promise. So Oruwari is a perfect example. He's a guy that showed promise as a rookie that you're like, that could be a building block. But this is a trap that a lot of people fall in. A lot of players like Oruwari that play like he did his rookie season – by year three, they're still playing the same. And that's where, at that point, he's now a negative to your team. As a rookie, he's a promising right. rookie that could develop into a plus-level starter. If he's still playing that way in the next couple of years, that's a problem. He has to take the next step. And some guy, some of these guys are not going to take that step. So to take the next step as a defense, we're relying on growth all over the place. We're relying mm-hmm. on Deshaun Elliott, who we brought in that we gave up a day three pick for coming and being a starting caliber state safety. We're relying on rookies coming in and being con- decent level contributors, if not high level contributors, their rookie seasons. We're relying on guys coming off injury, Okwara, Okuda to come in and play a good role. Okuda to do something he hasn't done and be an at least average player. Okwara to come in and regain the form that he had before injury when he was somebody that wasn't expected to be a plus level player before he kind of popped off for the Lions. You are so much projection and hope to take the next step as a defense. And like the rest of this team, Listen, there's nowhere to go but up. Our defense was horrible. Our whole team won three games last year. The offense was a complete mess. There's nowhere to go but up. But when we're talking about the listen, that's why I have us doubling our win total and getting to six wins. That's going up quite a bit. But when we talk about being a 500 caliber team, which you can't go 500, of course, in a 17-game schedule, but flirting with 500, 8 and 9, 9 and 7, somewhere around there, Someone that could flirt with a dark horse playoff spot. There's an extra wild card spot now. When we talk about that jump, that jump is a lot more. And mm-hmm. to me, it's it's more than a leap of faith. It is. It really is kind of being a little bit of buzzed off the Kool-Aid and taking a leap of faith. And just being, it, it almost is like people see the Lions doing things that make sense for the most part now. In in the Lions, what they're doing doesn't make them a laughing stock right now. Like for many right. years, especially recently, before this new regime came in, so many just questionable moves that you're like, what in the world? Drafting yeah, I mean, three when you receivers. Pick guys in the like first Jelani Tavai. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that was a long time ago. I'm talking more recent history. I mean, more that's... recent. Drafting guys like Jelani Tavai in the second round, yeah. and people look at that and they're just projection. like, what yeah. are you doing? The questionable things that Matt Patricia's done, the way that Bob Quinn ran this team. <laughs> but it's interesting. It, it's interesting. Where did Bob Quinn come from? The Patriots, of course. And who did Bill Belichick take in the first round this year? <laughs> like They do that but kind of stuff all was, the time. You know see, what I mean? It's like, different when that's it's so on brand. It, it is on brand. So if we talk, I've talked about this many times before. The Patriots right, are actually sure. not a good drafting team. No, and I didn't not. love terrible. the Bob Quinn hire. I, I didn't no. I didn't hate it. I did love it. I was willing to give and I this is a theme of mine apparently that I don't love the Lions hires. I, I'm trying to be optimistic. I am. But I promise you, I, I fact, promise you at some point I will get you to say something positive about this team. At some point. And when I that have said happens, plenty of positive things. I mean, you I, say I'm I love the Aiden Hutchinson pick. Yeah. I love the Kirby pick. I love Okay. You know what? A blind I love Martinez. would have picked Aiden Hutchinson at two. Like Listen, come on, man. Martinez in the fifth round, fifth or sixth. I think it was sixth, actually, if I remember correctly. Great pick. Okay, I'm not like I, I'm not all negative about this team. This is a great pick, right? But you're talking about players. Kirby, you're Kirby not talking Joseph. about Brad Holmes. Kirby Joseph. You're not my talking about. Pick, you're not talking about Dan Campbell. At some point during this season, when we are on this show, or if you're hosting the show, so who knows what's going to happen in the fall. But what I'm telling you is there will be a positive thing that is said about Dan Campbell. And when that happens, the record button is hitting stop. I'm closing the computer. It'll probably Game be... is so you say over. That. Because if you, you, you ever say, say something season. positive about a coach or you say something about a GM, I will know that hell has frozen over, that the world is ending, and it's just time to go upstairs, sit back, and relax and watch it happen. Because everything around me will be burning at that point. Because they just have to do things. They have to do things the right way. That's all they got to no. do. It's all Hold on a second. Big, big they don't have to do things decisions. the right way. They have to do things the Paul way. Let's be very clear about that. It's not the right way necessarily. <laughs> it's the Paul way. Because if it's not in Paul's mind, and it's not the right thing according to his mind, which his mind is is brilliant. Paul legitimately is one of the smartest men that I know. Don't let it go to your head. I appreciate but, that. But, but... If it is not your way, it is the wrong way. And so I cannot wait until I get you to go, you know that Dan Campbell? He did a pretty good job. And I'm going to be like, you know, it's going to come. Over. You're not going to like it, but it's going to come during hard knocks because there's going to be some moments. Which He's will be, be a star, fine. I think. He's going to He's be going a to be, I think star. Dan Campbell is going to be a star. See, the thing is, I think Dan Campbell is probably an exceptional practice coach. I bet he is. He came from an organization in in the Saints that was very well run. You know Sean Payton is very organized. You know that these practices, they're not going to be a joke, right? They're going to be structured. There's not going to be a lot of wasted downtime. And he's a motivator. Guys want to play for him. And he's a character. His sound bites alone are fantastic. But But they're not fantastic in a way that I laugh at him. They're fantastic. And he's a great football guy that I would love to play for. Yes. And and, and I think that's the beautiful thing about the guy that is leading the Detroit Lions is he is a motivator. But even more than that, he's the type of guy that, to use a war metaphor, would charge into battle first and bring you along with them. And you know that the players sense that, and you know that people notice that, and that is 
from experience the type of guy that you want to play with, the type of guy that you want to play for. The X's and O's, they take they can take care of themselves to a certain extent. He has to game plan. He's got to get the right people around him to help him game plan and to deal with that. His job is to continue to build the culture that it seems like he's building. And I think to go back to our original point of this whole thing, right? The 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 surprise, the sleeper, the the dark horse kind of thing in in the NFL. It's because people see a shift in the attitude. It's because people see a shift in the culture. Is that tangible? Is that something you can put data points on? It's not, but it is something that you can see and you can feel. And when it comes to Dan Campbell, if the Lions are going to have any success at all in the coming years, and we hope and pray and think that they will, it's going to be because of him and the players and the people that surround him. Well, maybe because no, he's got a couple be. years. He's got a couple years and I don't know. Brad Holmes could outlast. Brad Holmes may get another coaching hire. Maybe. Because he didn't he ain't gonna need one because they're going to win a playoff game this year and Dan Campbell's getting a lifetime contract. You said it yourself. I mean, I nothing. I I shouldn't say nothing cuz they're but few things would make me as happy if we if we want to. It would just be such an incredible. The Lions never shock positively ever. There's no. never like the Lions have never had <laughs> except the for the, when the Tigers media is talking season, to them, right? Right, that's true. That's true. Right, but, but that's never. They've no. never come out of nowhere and been. Oh my God, this team is so good. How did this happen? Like they, right. that's never ever happened. It's Maybe always been. The opposite, at worst, I mean, just, oh my God, how is this team this bad? And then a lot of times they were just, eh, right? Like it's, yeah. I mean, what are the best seasons that we've had? I mean, it's, it's, there's two that come to mind. You got 2011 and 2014. And both two of those playoff games that they should have won. Two playoff games that no, they should have won. No, not in 11. Not in 11. Not against if the Saints. You, if you remember back to that game, though. And this is way off If our defense topic, give, didn't give up 40 points. Well, but hold on a second. There was a pivotal moment. I think it was early fourth quarter or something like that. Drew Brees terribly overthrew a receiver. And I think it was the corner or the safety at that time. His last name is Barry. Not the good one from Kansas City, but the one that came to Detroit. Literally, ball in his hands. Air, and he Aaron dropped Barry, it. right? Yeah. And that Aaron, entirely, Aaron Barry, like, like, that was the moment right there that they lost that game. And then you get the whole entire tragedy that occurs in Dallas. Oh, oh man, I lived in Dallas at that time, and I was so mad. I was yeah. If there was very this way. Yeah, it was. But those were both winnable playoff games, in my opinion. They were in I, both I, of those games. Our, def- they should have our won defense those. was. They were in them because Stafford threw for a gazillion yards and touchdowns, and like I. But our our I mean, off- Sam Martin doesn't. Kick our a offense was one dimensional. Our offense was one-dimensional once Javid Best went down, and yeah, our defense was not good, man. It was not good. 2014, the right coach could have taken that team to the Super Bowl. The right coach. I Honest to God. I mean, we were – like we – but we didn't have the right coach. And we had one of the worst play callers in NFL history, and it hard-capped the ceiling of the team, and it, it killed us. It absolutely yeah. killed us. I mean – But I, we are we, not here our, to our reminisce. Play calling, 
we are not here to reminisce. We're here to talk about the current the media, team. We're just completely different people. Completely and, different and people. It sucks. It's so hard to just talk about this team without the baggage of the past. Like right. you can't, but I'm going to challenge you to start doing like a so. real normal football. Team. I generally do, but it's always haunted by the ghosts of Christmas past. Yeah. You just can't get past <laughs> it. Really, in, in our the ghosts of Thanksgiving past and the Lions. Yeah, it's tough, man. It's tough. It is Lions tough, fan. But, but no, here's the deal, Dan right? Campbell, what worries me? Something that you said that I want to touch on is you talked about like it's not going to be necessarily the X's and O's for him, and that's what scares me. Because Dan Campbell's calling plays. And I know it's collaborative with Ben Johnson, the tight end coach, mm-hmm. who is now the offensive coordinator. But it is about X's and O's when you're calling plays. And what concerns me is I don't well, yeah. think that's his bread and butter. I think he needs to be a CEO type head coach. And if Ben right. Johnson is not good, at, and I don't know, Ben Johnson may be a hidden gem and we might have found the next great play caller in the NFL. I don't know. We don't know until we see the product right. on the field. So we're not going to make a judgment but, on that until then. Yet. Yet. That's what I said. If the until product, if the offensive product and the play calling continues to leave a lot, I know it does, continues to leave okay. a lot desired this season, what I need to see from Dan Campbell is I need to see him do the big boy NFL head coach thing, and I need to see him go out next offseason and get a real offensive coordinator. Right. And but, if we if we have those issues on offense this season, and if we do not make a change after the season, that is a red flag on the tenure of, of Dan Campbell that he's not willing, no matter how good his intentions are, that he's not willing to make those tough decisions and truly do what needs to be done to put everybody in the best place to succeed. And that's okay. and I'm not saying so that's gonna happen. I'm gonna challenge you on that though, real quick. I'm going to challenge you on that, though, real quick, because he kind of made that decision last year when he was like, Anthony Lynn, see you later. I'm going to take this over, and we're going to f- we're going to fail or succeed on my back as a leader. Now, here's the thing with Dan Campbell. It's a double-edged sword in a way, right? Because he is responsible for the success of the team. So he might bear that responsibility like he took on with the offensive coordinator position last year. But at the same time, a mark of a good leader is somebody who surrounds himself with people who are proficient where you're deficient, right? And so when when I make a statement, I say for him, like he's really good at the motivating and the culture building and things like that, not maybe necessarily at the X's and O's. I've got to expect that as a leader, he's going to surround himself with the people who are better at the X's and O's. And I – and we thought that might've been Anthony Lynn. Cause we thought that that was a pretty decent offensive coordinator hire coming from the chargers. Right. We're, it, it, as it good seemed as like we a, could have gotten realistically. Right. Okay. So again, there you go with your tongue in cheek positivity. But anyway, we, we think that we think that that was going to be a good move. It's not working out. He makes the call. He's like, all right, you're out. I'm going to call the plays for better or worse and get us through the season. Now he's promoted Ben Johnson. So we'll see what happens with that. But I fully expect him to surround himself. He seems like the type of guy that's like a delegator in a way, right? Like, this is what I'm good at. This is what you're good at. Let's make it work. And if if he has to bear the ultimate see, responsibility, he will. That's That's why, like, was it great that he took over offensive play calling? No, probably not last year. 
but at least he took it on himself to do so as the leader of the organization. See, and I, I, I look at this in textbook me, right? In, in the less favorable light of course. where you, where you point You're this the eternal out as an pessimist. example of him. I'm the eternal realist. And if you look at the lions, the last many years, of course you're going to look pessimistic if you've been realistic because they have not done well. But the problem I have with it is it's not that, oh, he went and took responsibility for it. To me, he panicked mid-year of his rookie season because an offense that was never going to be good with a quarterback that is not good in an offensive line that was brutalized by injury didn't perform. And he made a panic move and fired a guy who was way more qualified to call plays than he was and said, you know what, I'll do it myself, despite having no play calling history ever at any level, not even in high school, did this man ever call plays as a coach. So I look at this and I say, this guy panicked in the heat of the battle when things were going wrong, didn't trust his own hires. He brought Lynn in and didn't even give him a full season when again, the expectation should not have been high for the offense, especially given the injury issues we had. Lack of pass catchers, lack of offensive linemen, lack of good quarterback play. I mean, Jared Goff was objectively horrible no matter what plays you were calling for in the first half of the season. You can't pin that on Anthony Lynn. You can't. So to me, I don't look at it as a guy taking responsibility. I look at it as a guy that maybe his rookie season was feeling the pressure, feeling the heat, and made a decision to say, you know what, I'm just going to do it myself. And then, yes, yeah, he, he absolutely is. It did not pay off. You knock it off. It is not paid off. The offense got better he, and they won games. The offense got better because they got healthier and they got more in tune with the system. The play hey, calling did not That's Dan improve. Campbell, man. It didn't. That's Dan Campbell. And, and this is what concerns me is I'm not sure that if things – Dan Campbell believes in the way that he wants to run this offense. He absolutely fully believes in it or he wouldn't be doing it. He's not that kind of guy. And while I respect that he's absolutely the kind of guy that will take full responsibility if things go wrong, I am, I am still unsure if he can adjust how he wants to run this offense, whether it's pounding a run game that just doesn't work, whether it's – Mixing in play action way more than we did last season, whether it's using modern NFL concepts, right? Like it, we we know that nickel is basically the base defense in the NFL now. Why? Because it's a passing league because you need faster players on the field. That's not optional, optimal against the Lions. Last season, you could have stayed in your base 4-3 pretty much the whole game. That's not okay. We need to have an offense that actually tests defenses X's and O's wise. And I am concerned that if things go poorly, we may still believe, listen, this is my vision and I still believe in it. That's what concerns me because he had enough belief in the way he wanted to do things to can a wildly experienced coordinator in Lynn and completely take the reins himself without the experience and then double down this off season. He could have went out and replaced Lynn this off season. He didn't. He took Ben Johnson from in-house and he said, me and Ben are going to do this. Ben and I are going to run this offense. He doubled down on the decision he made last year. I'm not saying that it's going to fail. I hope it doesn't. I hope he grows into it. I hope Ben Johnson's a genius. People cannot speak higher of Ben Johnson. Now, nobody in the organization is going to come out and say, wow, 
that's kind of weird. I'm not sure if he should have been given the job. That doesn't happen. But people speak very highly in and around the team about Ben Johnson. Maybe he's a hidden gem and maybe he's going to be awesome. But I'll believe it when I see it. I, I, well, I have to see it. And if we don't, you have to move on next season and get a real offensive coordinator and bring him in. You have to. So I'm going to challenge you to give the three-strike approach this season with the Lions and after the first bad call that is made, not entirely write them off. Because you tend to jump to conclusions as well and assume that because they've made That's one bad play call, they're going to continue to make con- bad play call no. after bad Listen, play call. No, nobody but, ever nobody ever calls a perfect game or even a perfect no, series, really. No, I don't, because it's, nobody's it's, perfect. It's all in the aggregate. It's all in the aggregate. You, it's and con- context it's matters. It's mostly conceptual. Con- right, for concepts sure. Concepts matter, right? Like it's right. not even just sequencing and play call to play call, which matters, of course. Sequencing is very important, but conceptually, what are we doing? What are we right. doing to push teams? What are we doing so that you. we're not predictable? What are we doing so that opposing defenses are not calling out the play that we're about to run? Like what happened in the Joe Lombardi and Bob Cooter days, right? We right. all remember how bad that was. Yes, what are we doing? How, how uh, I'll harp on it. How much play action are we running? Especially right. for a team that likes to run the ball as much as we do, with a legitimate running running game. I am not at all exaggerating this number. At least three quarters of our passes should come from play action. It should. I yeah. don't need a lot of just drop back, pure no no movement sets. I I don't need it, and no. they don't all have to be heavy. They don't have to be a ton of bootlegs. But there needs to be some kind of fake or misdirection on at least three quarters of our pass plays. There has to be. Well, they've here's the deal. At the end of the day, they have added pieces on offense that should make them more conceptual with speed, pushing the defense, stretching the defense, which we know if you can take tops off defenses, then that's going to open up things in the run game. And hopefully adjustments are made because a sign of a good coach is you coach to your players. You don't coach to your program, right? You get the athletes that you have and you, you adjust based on those athletes. Here's the ultimate, right, Paul? There's something different about this team. And we'll see culture. what's exactly. And we will see, hopefully, and we'll continue to buy into that hope. You less so than everybody else in Detroit, but you'll still at least buy in until you can't buy in anymore for the 2022 Detroit Lions. We're not going to call them sleepers. We're not going to call them surprising. We're just going to call them hopeful. We're hopeful for the season, and we're excited to see what you happens. You know, it's it's funny to me. So many people have bought into the Lions this offseason, both fans and media. At this point, I don't know that you can call them sleepers anymore because nobody's sleeping on this team as far as to expectation, right? Like, if you ask, if you pulled fans right now, over under Vegas is six and a half wins. We're going to be 80%, I think, over. on the over. I, we should run that poll, actually, this week. Because I would like to hear the numbers that. On actually that. would be and a I good bet, idea. I bet media, too, a lot of them would be, again, in that same, putting the Lions over probably at a 70-plus percent clip. At that point, you're kind of no longer a sleeper. When everyone believes that you have a chance, well, you're not I mean, really a sleeper anymore. You're a trendy pick, as we alluded to at the beginning trendy of Trendy pick. Of and the that's, show. that's and listen, the thing, right? Not a pick to win the Super Bowl or win the division, just a pick to be a team that 
is an eight, nine win team and maybe right. could flirt with a playoff spot if a lot of things go right. Which I, and again, which is kind of where you had them at eight wins. I did. Right? And and you could see them at nine wins. It wouldn't shock you. So you are closer to that end of the spectrum, whereas I, I had them at six wins. Right. So you're but closer I to the Vegas. So this is why it's perfect, right? When the media and Vegas are at odds, we have both sides of the argument covered here. That's why you should watch Beyond the Box because you will get all of the arguments that you need to carry you through your week when it comes to football. That is going to do it for us tonight. We're looking forward to that 2022 Detroit Lions football season. Paul to see what he can complain about. Me to see what I can be hopeful about. And whether or not either of those things come true, we will be here to talk you through the season, whether it's needed for therapy or celebration. We will be here, and we look forward to seeing you guys next week. He's Paul Roshan. I'm AJ Riley. We'll see you on Beyond the Box next week. Man on a mission, I'm a kid, and you know I be on the way.